0: great series preached it in Calgary all in one in 35 minutes I preached the whole series boy just like a fire hose just but it was fun <laughs> so let's pray lord thank you for joanna thank you god for her love for your word and and just the way that it it mingles with her life and her heart and her words and actions and everything she is and does and so, Lord, just as that word has been incarnate through her life, just allow her to speak from that place of your heart, God, today. Uh, just, yeah, just tie this this uh, this ribbon with a bow, mm-hmm. God, this package with a bow t- today, and mm-hmm. bless her and speak through her mm-hmm. on this Mother's Day. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. That's very prophetic, tying the ribbon with a bow, because... I was trying to teach Eleanor, my daughter, who's seven, to tie her shoes this week, and we had a battle, and Rose, my friend Rose, who's here, was she's an incredible teacher, she said, oh, I've got a story, so sure enough, she showed up this morning, borrowed someone's shoe, and in five minutes, she taught Eleanor how to fi- successfully tie her shoes with this great story, so it's it's perfect. So... Let's just do a little, I'm, I thought it was great how when, when Dawn preached last week, she, was, she made us work. There was some chatting or two weeks ago. So people, what have we been talking about for however many months? How, mon- how many months have we been doing this series on Galatians? Lots, okay. So what stood out to you? Any of the sermons? Any of the things? What was that? Learning to live by the Spirit. Yeah. In this letter, Paul talks to the church in Galatia, and he talks about what that looks like when we live by the Spirit of God. And he says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious and gives a whole list, but then talks about what that looks like when we have the Spirit of God in our lives, when we're not living by the law, but when we're living by the Spirit of God. What else has stood out? Anybody? Go ahead, Aldona. Not to grieve the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? It's just, it's, it's, it's striving to be obedient. Okay. So striving to be obedient to what you feel the Holy Spirit is sent push it, moving you to? Just not taking God's grace for granted. Not taking God's grace for granted. That's great. Yeah, other people, what is, anybody remember what we've called this? This is a very obvious question. What do we call this series that we just did, for those listening online? God's Radical Embrace. Thank you, all of you who can read the, the screen behind me. So what has stood out to you on that theme? What have you gleaned from that? What's been obvious or big take-homes, anyone, as far as what does that mean, God's Radical Embrace? How have we heard about that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, instead of shying away from the idea of getting to know people who are different from me, I actually need to take a look at it. And I need to figure that out. Wow. Okay, great. So, Karen just said that instead of shying away from the idea of getting to know people that are different from her, that she's been challenged through this series to take a look at that and, and get closer to people that are different. because. Right, of course, that's God's embrace is for everybody. We're going to talk about that more today. Somebody else is going to say something back here. What else, Paul? I was going to say about the marginalized,
0: disenfranchised, uh, the uh, addicted, those people who have, they've actually got stories
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So Paul was just talking about people who are on the margins, people that it might be easy to ignore or pass by, to not just give a handout, but that to remember everybody has a story. right? We've all got a story. And that's been something that's been weaved through this whole year, I feel like, for our church, just that power of story, that everybody has a story and that everybody's story matters and that it's going on. Any last thoughts about God's radical embrace as a series? What stood out to you? Have there been Scott and Kim? Have there been anything from your home group? Like I know you guys have debriefed the series. Have there been big things? Sorry, I didn't prepare you in advance for this. But have there been big things that have stood out as a group that you can think of that have really come up in your conversations from the series? If not, right now, don't worry about it. But I can't talk. <laughs> still eating snack. Can't talk. I'm still, back on March 30th. You're still catching up. Okay, totally great. That's fine. <laughs> I thought about emailing you this week, I never got to Yeah, okay good meal and I just even embracing the people in our group. Yeah. That there's people like I'm getting to know Wolfia and Catholic at a different level. Yeah. And yeah. getting to know Corey and you know, Anne Marie and just even Kenny feeling
2: comfortable
1: enough to share. So So just really practically walking that out, what it looks like to get to know people and get to know each other's stories. So we're in the final chapter today, final verses of the final chapter today. And so this is Paul signing off this letter. So he's been writing this letter. There's some key themes. And he wraps it up in the most incredible way I was profoundly impacted this week in the midst I had some really big deadlines in our family this week like ones that you would normally have one and that would take over your whole week we had one of those every day this week so God's grace was really really on me as I prepped this sermon and just through a little snippet of conversation somewhere else I went oh yeah I think I heard that Timothy Keller did a series on Galatians or a sermon on Galatians and I just googled this passage and Timothy Keller who is a pastor at a church in New York and started listening to this sermon and I just honestly I I just got saved all over again (laughs) this week really I just have just I'm so in awe of being a follower of Jesus again and I just thought, you know, I had a couple hours and I thought, okay, I'm just going to listen to this thing while I'm just having a bath because I can't even think about doing the sermon prep at the end of this day. And by the end of the sermon, I came, in, I came into the bedroom and said to wait, wait, there's this thing and I just heard it and I have to tell you this thing. So it's incredible. So Keller, I am just going to say, anything good that you're going to hear today is going to be the Holy Spirit and Timothy Keller and my some theater training I had some point to be able to translate those two things to me so, um, hallelujah for God doing our homework for us, huh? Uh, so he he beautifully says that in this sermon, in this passage to read, that Paul puts an ocean in a thimble that in this tiny little bit, he manages to just sum up what we've been saying all along. So I'm going to go ahead and read this so that those people who are listening online to our podcast will be able to hear the reading. So we're reading from the New Living Translation of the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians, and it's chapter 6, verses 11 to 18. Paul's final advice. In big capital letters, the first sentence says, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all of you who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. For I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So that is the end of the letter. So that little final bit. So those of you who have not been with us and are not familiar with this letter, the reason why Paul would sign off a letter to someone writing about circumcision just seems so random. But it's been a really big theme. And, uh, and so we're going uh, to, the, the, the general gist of this is that um, Paul basically, mm, let me go backwards. What we're going to do today when we unpack this is we're going to talk about three things, a la Timothy Keller's suggestions, is that we're going to talk about the central understanding and importance of the cross, that it's central to everything we do and everything we think as followers of Jesus. It needs to be, and if it's not, it needs to be. And the second thing we're going to talk about is how do we know if we understand the cross? And there's a bit of a test to help us figure that out. And the third thing is How do we turn the cross or our understanding of the cross into something that actually changes our lives? It's a power that changed our lives. So those are the things that we're going to talk about. And I'll I'll refer to the circumcision thing again in a minute. I'll explain if that doesn't make any sense. It seems like a very strange way to end a letter, but all will make sense in a minute. So if we go to start the very first bit with him writing in the capital letters... Uh, that's a very, um, uh, a very reasonable thing. That Paul could have signed off that letter. I think it's on maybe on the next slide if it comes up just referring that. Okay, so the reason why he's saying, look at these large letters, there's two reasons. One could be there's lots of evidence in uh, Paul's letters that he had some sort of affliction and some sort of problem with his eyes. So it could have been just a very practical thing that he needed to write in big, huge letters in order to see what he was writing. It's also, it could have been like how people use cap locks today, caps lock, and you have to say to them, please stop writing in caps lock. It sounds like you're yelling. Paul, it could be that Paul was like, if you've paid attention to nothing... Notice this last bit right here because I'm going to tell you again the stuff I've been telling you all along and I really need you to listen. So this little bit where he says those people who want you to be circumcised, they don't care. They just want to look good to other people. This was a big key issue. And the reason why we're talking about circumcision is that that was a key issue of following Jewish law. And what was happening was that Paul was saying to the church at Galatia, listen, number one, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and number two, you will be saved. And then number three, out of that love for Jesus, you will be compelled to obey the law. The teachers who were coming were getting that order mixed up, and they were saying, number one, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, number two, obey the law, and number three, then you'll be saved. And it sounds like semantics, but the order is hugely important because the analogy that Gordy used so effectively with us, this, this series was, we're already all on the team. We all made the cut. Sorry, play on words there, circumcision joke. We all made the cut. We're all in, right? We're all in. Sorry, was I the only one that got that? Should I have left that alone? Anyway, I can hear my husband doing a boom shh, for me. Okay, so. Um, We're all in, we already have the jersey, we're already playing on the team. And it's a little bit like somebody coming along and saying, oh no, 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 sorry, are you about to go in the playoffs? No, 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 I'm just joking, you're not really on the team. You don't get the jersey anymore, you don't get to play. This is God's radical embrace, that it is for everyone, that the gospel is for everyone. And we're gonna talk a little bit more in a minute about why the cross is so radical in its inclusiveness its radical embrace but this is the key point in Galatians with these false teachers who had come after Paul had left and they've been adding to the gospel and they're saying yes you you just you have to do more of this you have to do more of this and there's even conversations in this letter about how really strong apostles had a hard time with this how peter and barnabas and even james struggled because they wanted to build community they wanted to try and build the church they wanted to work this out and but this was a key issue that so many of them were jewish followers of jesus and they were trying to walk this out in community and paul was coming and saying no this is a big issue this really does matter we don't add anything to the gospel that is it it is the cross of Christ and Christ alone, and that is it. So, um, what he goes on to then say is, as for me, in the next verses, may I never boast about anything except the cross, of our, the, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that cross, my interest in the world's been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. This is huge. I mean, this is it. You could just... I'm. This is it. So, the language that Paul uses here, may I never, it's so strong. It's may I never, 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 never. Some translations translate it like, God forbid that I should ever boast in anything except the cross of Christ. And... Our understanding of the cross, this is what has just blown my mind this week, is that I have gone to church my whole life. I had a a renewal and a recommitment to Jesus in my early 20s. I get to be a pastor now. And I still this week went, oh, wow. I still haven't fully got this. I've still been missing this. I still have not got this, that Jesus said himself that the cross and him coming to die was the most important thing about him. Not how he lived, not him being a good moral teacher, not him telling a whole bunch of stories. And there's in Matthew 16, when Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Jesus said, you are the Messiah, right? The one who's come to rescue us. You're the Messiah, the son of living God. And Jesus said, you're blessed, Peter, You know, heaven revealed this to you. And he goes on to commend Peter. You are the rock. I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. I'm going to give you. So commends him to the highest degree. And then he warns his disciples and says, Don't tell anybody I'm the Messiah. And then began to outline for them how he had come to die. So this is all in Matthew 16. So he's come to die. And Peter took him aside. And began to reprimand him and say don't 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 say this don't say that you've come and that people are going to kill you and they're going to take you away this is ridiculous does anybody remember what jesus says to peter right after just giving him this incredible commendation what does he say next get behind me me, satan (laughs) he does not say you're a little off kilter buddy let's have a gentle correction He's like, you are the rock on you. I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. P.S. You are Satan. (laughs) If you miss this point, right? He says, I have come to die. So this is what he says. If you want to be my follower, you have to turn from your selfish ways. And you have to take up your cross and follow me. And in case we don't understand that, like, I'm trying to work on defining Christianese terms more, which is why I asked, although I said, tell me what you mean by da-da-da-da-da. We use this phrase in Christendom a lot, take up your cross. What does that mean? Well, Jesus defined it right here. This is what he said. Taking up your cross means you don't hang on to your own life anymore. You don't hang on to all the stuff that you think you deserve, that are your rights, that you want to have, that is your own, all the stuff you have to hang on to. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? And there are so many things that I am busy trying to hang on to all the time, especially my pride. Holy This has gotten me this week. All the things I think I need or that I think I have a right to. We'll talk more about this in a minute, but I just think, and then this is what Jesus said For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man. This is why communion is important. We have all different faiths who, are, who might even be missing or different streams of, of Christendom that might even be missing the central importance of the cross, but they're still celebrating communion. I mean, Jesus said, remember this, right? Remember my death. Remember my death. Remember the cross. And um, Keller in his sermon says... But at the end of John, and we just read this as a church a week ago or two weeks ago, where the end of John, I don't know if you remember that gospel, he says, and there were so many more stories about Jesus, it could have filled a whole book. And Keller goes in his sermon, so this guy was a terrible biographer. He wrote the first 11 chapters of John, like about the beginning of his life. And then the last chapters, 12 to 21, were all about the last week of his life. And then says, there's way more stories I could have told you, but I just didn't. (laughs) And Geller says, I got mad and said, I needed those stories. Man, like I need that guidance. And he said, I feel like the Lord has said to him, no, you don't. I gave you what you need. You need the cross. That's the story that you need. I uh, work with a Christian missions organization and have thought a lot about evangelism, especially in the light of the fact that one of my high motivators is making all the people around me happy and comfortable in life. (laughs) Those two things don't mix very well. So I have struggled for years as to how you do evangelism or share the gospel when I'm worried about making people uncomfortable or offending them. It just doesn't really mix. It doesn't really mesh. And I realized this week that I have, I mean, I've shifted my perspective on evangelism because I believe I've grown and matured. And I believe that it's right that I've grown and matured from when I was a very young Christian and I used to sit in panic on the bus that if I did not tell the person next to me about the gospel that they were going to hell and it was all on me and I couldn't get the words out of my mouth and I was dying inside because I couldn't speak. I feel that there's been growth in the fact that I'm, I believe now that there's lots of ways to Jesus. But I realized in believing that God was working in everyone's life and that there were all different ways that they would come to Jesus and that we don't really know when God judges people how that happens that I had let the centrality of the message of the cross slip in my life that if someone had come to me and said, is there only one way to God through Jesus? I think I would have tried to give some sort of ridiculously politically correct answer. Like maybe, yeah, I believe, I don't know what I would have said is what I'm saying. Nobody would asked me that in so long and I hadn't said in so long. I don't think I had stopped believing that. But I've been so challenged this week by it that this is what, the Bible says. I mean, Paul says it multiple times. and we've, We read it in chapter 3. The scriptures declare we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Today, the gospel we read. Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the one. You come through me. Jesus said himself, no one comes to the Father except through me. That is the centrality of the cross and what he came to do. We don't need another good moral teacher in our lives. If Jesus had never come as a moral teacher of good living, we have lots of those. Jesus was clear. He came to die for us. The other stuff is gravy, I guess. But he came to to die. We need a new heart, right? We need need something that crucifies all this junk in our lives, right? We don't need more good ideas that we can write on the sides of Starbucks cups. So when he says, may I never boast about anything in the cross of Christ It doesn't just matter how we live, whether we're good people and we're living good lives. What we believe about the cross matters. Today, that was the hymn that Corey sang, call us to the cross, call us, call us, call us to the cross. The thing that Keller said um, that really impacted me was he said, there's a test to see if you understand the centrality of the cross in your life. He says this, If you have never been offended by the cross, then you don't understand it. If you have never been offended by the idea of the cross of Jesus, then you have not wrestled with it. You have not thought about it. You have not taken it into your own life. Because it is an offensive story to our pride, to our human nature. And he said this. He said, this is a story that he uses at least once a year in his own teaching that was given to him by someone that he admired, a, a theologian named Dr. Nicole. And he said this. He said, if your house was burning down and everything precious to you, your family, your children, whatever that was precious, you had gotten that out and you were all on the front lawn watching your house burn, and your neighbor ran by you and said to you, I want to show you how much I love you, and ran into the house and died, no one would say that was an incredible act of heroism. Everyone would say that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. That was absolutely ridiculous. Why did that person run into that burning house when there was nothing to save? And this is what came together for me this week in a way that it just, I believed this thing and I believed this thing, but I'd never believed them like this. Keller says this, or through his teacher, Dr. Nicole, if we do not believe that Jesus dying on the cross is the only way to get to God, his death on the cross not just doesn't make sense, but it's repugnant. Because if someone comes along, And you have a burning house and your youngest child is in that house. And the firemen have tried, and you have tried, and everyone has tried to get that child out. And no one else can get that kid out of that house. And you are dying on the front lawn, and you have no idea what will happen. And that neighbor runs into that house and says, I want to show you how much I love you. And runs in and gets your kid and gets your kids out and saves your baby. And there was no other way for that kid to be saved. Then you go, oh, my God. And then they die in that process. You go, you are a hero. You saved my child's life. So if the cross is not the only way to Jesus, it makes no sense. Why would God do it? Why would he bother? Why would he give his son? Why would he give himself? One of the letters said he shed his own blood for us. And that is an offensive idea to everyone. If you think about it, because if you're from a side of a belief perspective, perspective or spectrum where we would call it more liberal belief, you would say, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, everybody is good, They're good moral people. They should be able to get into heaven, even if it's not specifically by calling on the name of Jesus or not understanding that. It's It's so exclusive, but it's a very inclusive exclusivity in that it's everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, everyone, no matter who you are, but then that's offensive to those people who maybe are more conservative, who have worked so hard to be good, there's no moral law. What does that mean? That if I have been faithful to my husband, and I have guarded my heart, and I have maintained the sanctity of our marriage, that because of the cross, I'm no better or worse than someone who's cheated on her husband a hundred times. That's what that means. That's what that means, because of the cross. What if I've been good to my children, and good to my parents, and cared for my family, at the foot of the cross, next to someone who's abandoned everything that's precious. I'm no better and I'm no worse than them. That's what that means. It's radically unfair. It's ridiculous. It's so offensive. That Jesus died for everyone, for every single one of us, no matter what, if we would only call on the name of the Lord and be saved. That's what that means. And so this is what what Keller said. He said it's either the sweetest thing in the world or it is the most repugnant thing. He said it's it's this beautiful, sweet center that has the most bitter shell that you've got to bite through in order to get to the middle of it. Uh That you have to deal with what this means in your own life. We all need the cross. So when he says, may I never boast about anything except the cross of the Christ of our Lord Jesus Christ, my interest in the world's been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It it means that not that the world's dead... You can go on to the next slide, I think, Peter. It doesn't mean the world's dead. It means the world's dead to me. So if we really believe this, it means that there isn't anything that gets us anymore because I'm not hanging on to anything except the cross of Christ. So I'm not taking pride in anything else except the fact that I'm saved by Jesus. I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but this is... This is what Jesus was saying when He says, "You have to, if you want to be my follower, you have to turn from your selfish ways." It's about selfishness, right? You have to turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. This is what um, Keller says. Let me just see if I'm in the same place. So, this is now talking about how this becomes a power in our lives, a power in our lives for change. Because what he says is, basically, you can paraphrase what Paul says in verse 14 and 15 by saying, the gospel, the cross of Christ, changes what I fundamentally boast in. It changes the whole basis for our identity, right? It's what we identify with, how we think about ourselves, It changes the whole basis for for what we're relating to. Because then nothing in the world has any power over me. So I'm free to enjoy the world then. Because I don't need the world anymore. And then you're not inferior or superior to anybody. Because I'm being made over into something and someone entirely new. That's the concept of new creation, right? I read a quote this week. Chesterton... Where does it say? Where have I got it written down? Essentially that if we want, I can't find the quote, and it's not in the thing, but essentially that we have to perennially look at things that are familiar to us until they feel unfamiliar again. And that's what I feel this week this reading is about. It's like we've got to look at this again until we just go, oh, my goodness, all over again. Oh, my Lord, what you've done. So, so if you go to the next slide, Peter, how, so how do we change this, this understanding, this centrality of the cross? How does it become something that actually changes our lives? Well, I've just been testing it out this week, and it's just, it's all connected to pride. May I never boast, except in the cross of Jesus Christ, means that I'm saved totally because of Jesus' work and nothing to do with me. And again, these are words that I've heard and said over and over again. But if I'm really thinking about this, every time I'm offended, every time I'm mad, every time I'm upset by something, every time someone writes me an email and I go, well, what did that mean? (laughs) Well, what's that about? Where's that reaction? It's pride. It's all my pride. Because it means I don't take any credit for my standing with God. Where I perceive myself as a person, as a wife, as a mother, as a minister, whatever. I take no credit for that. It's got nothing to do with me. It's all about what Jesus has done. That's really hard. It's really hard to think that way. But then if what Jesus has done is something that I boast in, it means when you boast in something, it means you're, joy- you're exalting it. You're joyful about it. You're thrilled about it. What you boast in, this really impacted me. That's the center of your personality. Or this one really got me. He said, Luther said this. When you defend yourself to yourself, so you feel that someone is accusing you of something, or maybe nobody's even accusing you, but you're just trying to justify something that you're doing in your life, and you're just trying to justify it, What's the pretend, I'm not the only person that has pretend conversations, right? What are the pretend conversations that you have where you say, well, this isn't really that big a deal because I can blah, 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 or it's not really hurting anyone because of this and this and this, or for me, it's, it's confidence stuff, right? It's all about what people think usually for me. So it's, it's this justification. So Luther said this, how do you defend yourself to yourself? That's what you boast in. That's your identity. Is this kicking your butt as it hard as it kicked mine this week? Because it kicked my butt hard this week. So if there's anybody else in the room, I really appreciate that. And, and 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 what it comes down to is hanging on to our rights. When we say that Jesus is Lord, we are what? If someone is our Lord, what are we? Slaves. Slaves. What rights do slaves have? None. None. Zero. None. None. Zero. We've given up our rights when we've become followers of Jesus. We have no rights. None. Zero. Everything is a gift, and we have a right to nothing. But the trouble is, is that that sometimes becomes a perception of all about everything that we can give up, all about what we're giving up, all about what we're not allowed to do, but that's the, we're missing the point. It's all about what God wants to give us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. I mean, Keller said, I heard Keller this week said, it's not important How you live, the most important thing is what you think about the cross. But then I read a quote by Lewis, C.S. Lewis, who said, the most important thing is not what you think about God, but what God thinks about you. And if we spend more time meditating on how God loves us and how he thinks about us, then that's the most important thing. That's tied to my beautiful friend, Ann Voskamp, who's just getting me through motherhood with young kids right now with about gratitude, right? When we start noticing all of the gifts in our lives, all of the graces in our lives, we become overwhelmed. And this morning, I'm driving to church with my girls. Their their best buddies don't know Jesus. They want them to know Jesus so much. And I've been called to account because I'm so worried about offending them. This week, I just said to Gordy, I can't believe that I've been counseling my kids more about how to be polite when their passion is that their friends would just know Jesus. I need to shut up and let my kids invite their friends to know Jesus. They said, oh, I wish they'd come to church. I said, I know. I said, guys, this teaching I've been preparing this week, I just am so in awe of Jesus. And my 7-year-old, she goes, oh, I know. It's just the best. We can never stop thanking him. We could never thank him enough. I was like, what did you just say? <laughs> You're right. We could never stop thanking him. We could never thank him enough. We could never thank him enough. So that power comes in our lives because if we're boasting in nothing but Jesus, then theoretically nothing should get us down, right? Because we're not offended. If our pride isn't attached to anything except Jesus, well, we have nothing to take offense against. It's very great theoretically, I can tell you. I've been working on this for a week so far. But, but we need to wrestle with this. We need to wrestle with this. So how do we do this? So we have to intellectually glory in it first. We have to intellectually wrestle with this. You have to think about this first. Okay, so this test, if I've never really been offended by this before, if I've never thought about this, then we wrestle in it. But then we personally glory in. What is it? That if we, we said, you know, the, this, without this thing, what good am I? All of us, I think, in our human nature, if I didn't have this, what would I be? Some of it's our job. Some of it is our spouse. Some of it is our ministry. Some of it is our children. I tell you, on Mother's Day, it is hard for me to tell you that my children are not my glory. Because... I'm in love with my children. Anybody that knows me knows that I love being a mom. I longed to be a mom. I prayed for it. I asked God for it. We went through a season of waiting to be parents that was hard, and God refined it. I learn constantly. I mean, honestly. There's some days where I just think, if only I could just hang out with my kids. And I'm so blessed, because I know that's not the case for all moms. And it doesn't mean that I'm, that we're, I mean, this, let's not play the mom comparison game. If I just said something, you're, you're like, shoot, I don't really like hanging out with my kids, who cares? <laughs> Whatever, for me, that's it. But I go, I have to be careful, or I have an incredible husband. He's a great guy. My husband is not my glory. My children are not my glory. My ministry is not my glory. I work really, really hard trying to make people happy a lot. Now most of the time, I think my motivation is okay. It's usually pretty good in wanting to serve God because of it, and I love to do things for Jesus. I love it when there's times that it's poured out just for him. There's moments of intimacy that are so precious. When I get to do something that I know nobody else is going to see except for him, it's so beautiful. But I still struggle a lot. Man, I wonder when I'm going to get over this. I thought I had it nailed at 25. Here I am at 41. I'm still not done with what people think about me. And man, this is a good one for fear of man. If you are really working on not caring about it and boasting only in the cross of Christ, this is it. But Paul says, verse 15, it doesn't matter whether or not we've been circumcised. What counts is whether or not we've been transformed into a new creation. Don't breeze over that. Those are Christian easy words that we say all the time. Think about what that means. You know? Come here, come here into the backyard. There's a totally new creation out here that no one has ever seen before. Your expectations would be so high. You'd be like, what do you mean it's a new creation? Like nothing I'd ever seen before? Yeah, it's an entirely new creation. That's what it says. That's the promise for us. A totally new creation. The other thing that I've noticed this week is it doesn't really matter what it is that God's asking us to give up. I was sick a couple weeks ago, I started reading Harry Potter again. Then I said to my next-door neighbor, do you have the second one? Yes, I do. Do you have the third one? And then any of you who know Lynn O'Hara know that she is the most generous person in the world. And she was like, came home one day and went, look what I found for you at a secondhand store. And she bought me every single one except one. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. So anytime I've been stressed out, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go read some more Harry Potter. Read these Harry Potter books. Do you know what I found? I'd be doing stuff, and I'd be like, I just want to go back and read Harry Potter. I just want to stop what I'm doing so I can stop thinking about what's going on in my own life so I can just read this book. And this week, we had so much stuff going on, and the Holy Spirit said to me very clearly, no Harry Potter this week. I'm halfway through Goblet of Fire, people. Voldemort is trying to kill Harry again. And all joking aside, I actually, at the beginning of the week, was like, okay, fine. But then I started to create some space and I kept thinking, maybe now. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, no. No. And I had a conversation with a really good friend this week and we were talking about this in that it doesn't matter what it is in our life. If there's anything that has a hold on it where you can't give it up, God wants that. Anything. Anything. anyone who wants to be my follower you have to give up your selfish ways take up your cross and follow me because if you try to hang on to your own life you're going to lose it but if you give up your life for my sake, you're going to save it because what does it benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul is anything worth more than your soul that's what Jesus said 2,000 years ago to his friends today, right, and you know, you know what that is, you know that, what that thing is, whether it is or whether it's not, and that's between you and the Lord, and so Paul goes on in verse 11, and he says, may God's peace and mercy be on all who live by this new principle, in other versions is its rule. They're the new people of God. In other translations, saying the new Israel of God. So all these promises, all these things that are about circumcision and rules and laws, he's saying if we live by this rule, where we're glorying in the cross of Christ, you have every new promise, every new gift is given to you. You are the new people. You're the new Israel of God. And then I love this. He says, don't let anybody trouble me with these things. I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. I sort of feel like he's finally saying, look, is there, if there's any more proof that I'm an apostle, just come over here and just take a look at my body. Okay, there's no much, not much more that needs to be said. Um, you know, I am a true apostle. I have every right to share these things with you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace, 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 grace. That's what this letter is about. Amazing grace. Everybody gets to play. This radical embrace. We're all a part of it. So, and then he says, amen. Amen, Paul, amen, and amen. So so the question is, as we finish today, is what are you boasting? If you can go to the reflection questions on the next one, Peter, what are you boasting? We all boast in something. How do you defend yourself to yourself? What's that root of your identity? Does anything have a hold on you that if Jesus said to you today, I want you to give that up? And it can be like watching a show, or maybe it's deeper. Maybe it's something that you know. Secondly, this impacts us as far as our community goes. So if something has a hold on you or how others are impacting you, it it changes our dynamics of our relationships. So if we're really not boasting in anything at the cross, that has a huge thing to do with our offenses and our rights, how we perceive that we should be treated by other people. And, you know, again, I just have been very i have been very appreciative of Wade this week. I just had a few really difficult interactions with people, particularly where something was emailed to me, and then I was sitting in front of the computer going, do I say this or do I say this? And he's so good, you know. He's like... Well, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Like, what's the point? Like, why do you want to say, this thing that you just wrote so offended me? Who cares? The point of the interaction is that you want to do this, right, in this relationship. So don't write about how offended you are. Who cares? It's great. I've just done that. I've just, a couple times, I've been like, I'm going to write this thing. Now I'm going to delete the thing about how offended I am and just write the fact of what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Great. Good. Send. Much better and to the world. If we boast in nothing but the cross, we have dynamically laid down our rights. As a YWAMER, that's one of our key books written by our founder, the dynamic power of laying down your rights, making Jesus Lord of your life. So it's not about everything we give up, right? It can feel that way. When I first started really following Jesus as an adult, That's what I felt like. I felt like it was about everything I was giving up. And actually, it wasn't until God brought to me the idea of dating Wade. And I was like, no way. I just decided I'm going to be single and celibate for you forever. And what the Lord said to me was, what if I want to bless you? And that knocked me back. Because I had been perceiving following Jesus about everything I had to give up. All the stuff I had to give up to follow Jesus. I had the most miserable, prodigal daughter attitude. I totally would come to church and just look around for the crumbs. I thought I'd wrecked it. I thought I'd wrecked it, especially relationally. I remember once watching this couple and they were in worship and they were like worshiping with one arm around each other and then the other arm raised. And I sat behind them and was like, that's it. I wrecked it. I did everything wrong. I will never be that way. I will never be that. And that's okay, Jesus. I don't have to be a super couple Christian. It's so weird now that we like teach together and we're pastors and stuff. Because I was totally that person that came and went, it's never going to happen. And it wasn't until God said to me, What if I want to bless you? And I started realizing everything He wanted to give me as a follower of Him. Want to share something? Yeah? Did you want to share something? <gasps> You're just saying yes and amen? No, amen. No, I, I, <laughs> Be shy.
2: And the environment that I'm in is so filled with spiritism, the cult, etc., etc. And there's only two Christians in the company, so there's there's a lot to face. But just something about the boldness and the character that i got over that. And, and what God has put on my heart when you were talking is that it's essentially it this way, told me, alone, it is not a
1: business Wow. <laughs> Aldona, it's none of your business what people think of you. Yeah. I know. Thanks. Thanks. I know. Yeah. Thanks. It's none of my business. I like that. It's none of my business. I work on that. So what would it really look like in the world if every person was not invested in our own rights and our own well-being, but instead, we really lived this way. Where our highest was to look to the purpose of Jesus. What would that look like? So that's for discussion over coffee today or in your home groups, wherever. So personally, what, what's gotta, is there something that's got a hold on you? Have you been really crucified to the world and the world crucified to you? Because it doesn't mean that you are a away from the world, because ironically, if you remove yourself from the world, it probably means that the world has tremendous power over you. And that's why you're running away from it. It's that the world and its impact has been crucified to you. It doesn't have that power over you anymore. And I to the world, I'm dead to that. So it's no matter to me anymore. That's huge, man. If we could walk that out. So we need Jesus, hey? That's me. I guess I understand a little bit more, right, how Paul could start the beginning of his ministry talking about what an incredible apostle he was and end it by saying, I am the chief of sinners. The longer that we journey with Jesus, the more I'm aware of how desperately I need him. Yeah.
0: I think one way to phrase that first question would be, does whatever that issue is, Does it have you or do you have it? Whether it's money or whatever it is. And related to the second question, we've talked about this before. The biggest social problem in Vancouver is isolation. And my sense is that the Lord is putting his finger on things that have us that are isolating us from him and from one another. And so... Come Holy Spirit, just shed your light on those things, because they are what blocks us. These things are, are substitutes for intimacy. They're substitutes for those connections. And, and this information age is so un- overwhelming. I mean, I, I think about 20, 30 years ago, if somebody wanted to get a hold of me, you know, they'd phone me.
1: Or write you a letter.
0: Yeah, write me a letter mm-hmm. or come and visit me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But now, I, I'm just thinking people around the world have instant access to me right now, and so your discernment, even in how to relate and and respond and be intimate, like I, I'm almost ready to trash email because it just I just can't keep up. Mm-hmm. And there's and I know a bunch of people who are waiting for me to respond, and I, I the, I'm just getting farther and farther behind. So it's really, we're really needing the Holy Spirit, the spirit of counsel and wisdom. And mm. Jesus said at the end of his ministry, Father, I've glorified you on the earth. <laughs> and I've finished what you told me to do. And I was thinking, all his disciples are running in every direction, scattering for aid, And his, his church looks like a total shambles and mess. <laughs> Yeah. And he and said, he I've says, I'm done. I finished. <laughs> I finished what yeah. you told me to do. So you and I only need to do what the Father's doing.
1: That's it. That's right?"
2: Yeah. I just, uh, I have, my heart is really clenched inside. And I just feel like what I'm seeing is many of us, maybe I have to just pray about it for myself. We're hanging on so tightly to something. And I feel like we're, it's one of these things that is born out of fear or. Mm-hmm need. And when we hang on, all of a sudden we we, we, it's not Jesus. And we're hanging on and we look up and it's like we're pulling something that if we keep hanging on so tightly, it comes on us and it's smothering us and it's suffocating us. Mm -hmm. What is that? What is it that we're hanging on to? I mean, years ago it was bitterness and anger for me. And I almost died in that bitterness and anger mm-hmm. and, and learning how to let go, right? What is that? Jo- I think Joanna talked about identity. What is it
1: mm-hmm.
2: that keeps us, is it?
1: Mm-hmm. Or even feeling like I feel that God's been dealing with me and my finances in that way. Yeah. When do I feel like I've got to grab for something? because it's not going to be given to me. And that's what he's identifying, is not even dollar amounts, not even what am I spending here or there, but what am I, gra- what am I grabbing at? What am I feeling like? If I don't get this, I'm, I've got to grab this now because, I mean... So, so it could yeah. be a panic.
2: Do you yeah. guys, if anybody feels that panic, yeah. that's the enemy. Yeah. I was just talking to Francis earlier about how it says we have to resist the devil and he will flee. We have to fight fight of faith. We can't just be passive. Otherwise, the enemy just comes and he tries to take possession of us. Maybe that's... that's, I'm not a Pentecostal, so I don't apologize for that. (laughs) I'm a charismatic Catholic. But I think we have to learn up to push back, push back the enemy who's trying to suffocate us. Whether it's fear of not having provision, it's fear of not having a job. We don't have a career. We have nobody to advocate for us. But Christ is here. And Pastor Dave, this last time in Calgary, said, you know, Jesus, here's your prayer. Enemy is trying to suffocate us to keep us shut up. Let's just pray. Let's just see. I feel like sometimes our church, what we're hanging on to is we're trying to make it happen. We're turning into this social justice community. We're going to do the good works for God. You know, we need Jesus. We're not going to do it. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. It's not us that lives, but Christ that lives in us. We're not going to be able to whip up all the money, you know, for 10 more years of Chili Wagon. We had a miracle last Sunday, and I don't even know, I'm curious, who is that person that gave that $6,000? I want to know that person. Mm. I want to go and hug them. But you know what? I'm believing that was the Holy Spirit through them,
1: Mm -hmm. and it's going to be the
2: Holy Spirit again. Let's release the power of the Holy Spirit for whatever we're hanging on to.
1: I don't know if you have a thought, but I loved when Dawn, when you shared the other week, at the end she said, you know what, we just think everybody needs prayer all the time. So we just try and make sure that nobody leaves without praying for each other. So I think every, I mean, I think if you're alive and drawing breath and you're human, there is something here today that has a hold on you, because if you're not Jesus, I think this message applies to you. Yeah. Sorry. I just think if you're not Jesus, this message applies to you. There's something that has a hold on you. So I want to encourage you to get with somebody that you trust and pray for each other. It's time for us, we're past time to pick up our kids. Sorry about that. Um, if you don't have somebody you trust, you can come and ask for prayer up the front. But I think let's just, you know, even if it's a short minute, even if it's a one-sentence thing, but just pray. let's just pray for each other now. Let's not leave without prayer and just ask for prayer and say, this is the thing. I don't know if I have a hold on this or it has a hold on me. Yeah. Or maybe you do know. Yeah. So, anyway, what's
0: yeah, up? Thank this? you, Joanna. Thank you. Wonderful gift, eh? Mm-hmm. I felt it was going to be kind of a bowl and a ribbon to finish this.
1: So special today. Thanks. Such a
0: sense of God's presence and thank you for being faithful uh and obedient. So as Paul ended the letter, grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The grace mm-hmm. of the Lord Jesus be with you all. And Joanna's altar call is if you're not Jesus, come forward. No. Uh get just get prayer. prayer. So yeah. so if you're
1: not Jesus, you need some prayer. Yeah. yeah.
0: So bless you guys. Awesome.